We thank you, God, that our hope and trust is in you. And it's solid. It's not iffy. We're not wondering if you're going to show up. We're not wondering if you're going to be faithful. You are faithful. You can't go against what you are. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's none like you. You are first in every part of our life. You are a blessed hope. You are the one worthy to open the seals. You are the one worthy. You're so worthy. We don't curse the day that we're in, Lord. We are so excited to be in this day for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord, that we have been chosen and purposed for such a time as this. Great is your faithfulness, God. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you walk with us, you talk with us. You calm us, you steal us. In the midst of the fire, you were in, in the fire with us. You have not abandoned us. We thank you. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. So, Facebook, um, we're just going to do a test right now. I know, um, Stephanie, you probably heard pretty well. Just making sure you hear me good so we can take care of that now. And we can have our sound guy turn it up if we need to. Are we doing all right, Facebook? Can you hear me okay? Everything going all right? All right. So if it needs to go up a little bit, we can. Uh, so you won't be able to watch our message on YouTube today, not to any of our fault. Um, YouTube has taken us off. They deemed that we did not need to be... Um, it must not have liked something I said. If, if my beginning got them to shut us off, they sure as heck aren't going to like the middle or the end. So <laughs> maybe this was the Lord. Who knows? Um, can I have a little more light, David, um, since we're, it's not going to affect the YouTube this morning? Just so I can actually, hey, I can read. Praise God. I can see. This is good. We're hearing good things on the report that they hear, we're hearing okay. Praise the Lord. Good deal. All right, church, if you have your Bibles this morning, which I know you do, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. We're almost concluding the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the title of this week's message would be Name That Tree. Name That Tree. Um, we're going to go through a passage of Scripture, and it's talking about trees and fruit. And it's kind of interesting. At different seasons that you're in in different times of the year, especially with fruit trees, it's very hard to tell what kind of tree it is. It's very hard to tell. I've got a, a, a dwarf peach tree and a dwarf apricot tree, and I took them out of barrels and put them in the ground, and I think I switched them, so I'm still not sure which one's which until the fruit comes on this year, because right now their leaves look exactly the same. The trees look exactly the same, they're the same size, and without leaves on them, they really look the same. So during wintertime and different seasons, you might not be able to see what kind of tree it is. So it requires us to have some patience. Now, all this is for free. It's not really in my notes. But it's just things that I've been thinking about throughout the week. So um, in this passage of Scripture, hopefully you're all there. In Matthew chapter 7, 
verses 15 through 20. And this is really kind of getting to, we're still talking about the kingdom. Uh, and, and Jesus is closing things up. And how many you know when you start closing things up, as you start wrapping things up, some of the really important topics, almost like you, some of your last words um, begin, begin to be really what's on your heart, and they're very important. So Jesus starts off in this section, and he uses the word beware. That gets my attention. It gets, it gets us, it gets our, should get our senses on alert. So he says, beware of false prophets. Now the word false prophets, or the word prophets, I'm going to, we'll explain later, but I want you to see that it's not just um, what we would call a prophet. We want to call anyone who speaks and uses and, and proclaims the word of God in this title. So it would be um, teachers who are teaching the word of God. It would be pastors or not even pastors, people preaching, exhorting the word of God. So not just a prophet in our traditional sense would be someone that gets a word from the Lord and it's not from the Bible, but it's a, it's a downloaded word and, and they give it out to the, to the body. This would, would, would include anyone who is the voice of the Lord using the voice of the Lord. We okay? Yeah. All right, good. It's interesting, you guys. The, you guys at home can't see what's going on here, but it gets weird. There's been so many problems, and they're running around looking at stuff. And I'm like, uh-oh, did we lose it again? It's okay, David. I'm not blaming nobody. I'm just saying what it's like from this spot. <laughs> so beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are, and I like the NLT in this, it says, but are really vicious wolves. Not just wolves, but really vicious wolves. Now, we don't live in an area yet, which we're actually, we're probably getting closer. The wolves are migrating down <laughs> into the Sierras. But if you lived in Montana or Wyoming or Idaho, um, you would know um, the impact of vicious wolves. There's a reason our ancestors really seriously took out and eradicated all the wolves out of Northern California. They're extremely vicious. They kill things. They, they, they hunt in packs and they destroy things. So our ancestors, they went through and said, we don't need vicious wolves in our land anymore. And they wiped them out. They hunted them down. They took them out. And now we're letting them back in and we're seeing the impact of that. So a little reality here. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. Good news. Verse 16. You can identify them by their fruit, that is. By the way they act. You can pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so, can, so you can identify people by their actions. Thank you, Lord. Lord, bless the reading of this word. Bless this time. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would give us enlightenment, that, Lord, as, as I minister, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would just bring so many other thoughts and ideas that would be um, encouraging to the body and enlightening. And we just thank you, Lord, that you are truth, that we are <laughs> able to have the word of God and not be confused by what people say and by what people do. We can know by the fruit. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, bless this. Amen. So, beware of false prophets. 
Jesus is speaking um, about two different types. And, and we've seen this last week. He, he talked about, or two weeks ago, the, the narrow and the wide path. He starts using these twos and these symbols of two. Next, the next portion of scripture, it's going to show two different types of people. And the next one after that, it's going to show two different types of foundation. So just as there are two roads, the, the wide and narrow, there is two kinds of signposts. And I'm going to call prophets signposts. A true prophet is the mouthpiece of God. But some who are not called by God speak their own words. Difference between a prophet and a false prophet. A true prophet of God is going to be the mouthpiece of God. Is going to speak God's word for that time. A false prophet is going to speak their words, their uh, agenda. And there's a big difference between my agenda and his agenda. There's a big difference between man's agenda and God's agenda. Oftentimes, our agendas are not on, on the same track. Now, when he's speaking through us and he's giving us um, direction and he says, hey, I want you to minister in this area, we can know and the, and the body will know by the fruit of the message that it was from the Lord. Amen? And not a man-made idea. So, it was the same back then. For their, and the purpose why they do it. But some who are not called by God speak their own words. Did you hear that? Some who are not called by God speak their own words. Not everyone who says they're a prophet, not everyone who says they're a pastor, not everyone who says they're a teacher, not everyone who speaks for the Lord is called by God. Now, I've always had kind of a problem with even Bible, Bible schools and colleges and people that give endorsements and now you're a licensed minister and you're not called by God. Anyone can get a license. Anyone can get a piece of paper that says, I can, I, I've studied the word. But if you haven't been called by God, then that is not your office. It's not your position. And you shouldn't be in that spot. And the fruit will bear that. That was for free. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's so exciting, isn't it? Good news there. Now, those who are not called by God, they speak their own words. Now, listen, under their own power, under their own power, under their own anointing. Some people have a, just a charisma. They have this ability to dazzle people with words and be able to speak things and you're just mesmerized. That doesn't mean it was anointed. And when something's anointed, it has a supernatural power behind it and it will break through natural things that normally wouldn't be broke through. Amen. That's good preaching. I heard that. Someone out there said that. Thank you. Amen. They, they do these things under their own power and oftentimes for their own glory. A true prophet or a true minister of God oftentimes doesn't even really want to do it. They're not looking and running for the spot or the limelight or the position to do it. They're not trying to get discovered. They would be really happy not being the person. Not, and not saying that you can't have a call that you're excited about to fulfill. Now, I'm not saying that. It's not in your normal, natural thing that you're just like, yay, God will put a burden on you. He will put things on you. And then, then you know you're excited by it because you're fulfilling his purpose and you're seeing the fruit of his call come out of your life. Now that is when you go, yay. False prophets in Jesus's day and in the Old Testament and in his day and in our day were common. This was a very common thing. False prophets were common in the Old Testament. I was reading in Jeremiah 5 this morning, just kind of fun. I, I wasn't, this wasn't in my study or notes. I just happened to, and I'm not, I'm not saying to do this. This isn't like my test of do, finding out what the word for the Lord today is. It's like, but when I just sat down this morning, had my coffee, opened my Bible, it opened up to Jeremiah 5. And I, I was about to just flip to where I wanted to go. 
And I felt, just, just go ahead and look at it. So I did. Now, if you get the opportunity, please do it. You know what? Let's do it. Jeremiah 5, 26 through 31. It says, Among my people are wicked men who lie in wait for victims like a hunter hiding in a blind. Did you hear that? Among my people are wicked men. And we're going to see who they are here in a minute. Hiding in a blind. They continually set traps to catch people. That don't sound good. Like a cage filled with birds, their homes are filled with evil plots. And now they are great and rich. They are fat and sleek. And there is no limit to their wicked deeds. Woo. These prophets are great and rich. They are fat and sleek. And there is no limit to the wicked deeds. Look at the deeds. They refuse to provide justice to orphans. And they deny the rights of the poor. Should I not punish them for this, says the Lord? Should I not avenge myself against such a nation? Now this gets really good. Verse 30 and 31. A horrible and shocking thing has happened in this land. The prophets give false prophecies. And the priests rule with an iron hand. Worse yet, my people like it that way. But what will you do when the end comes? That's pretty plain, ain't it? So this has always been, there's always been false prophets. This has always been a concern for the Lord. There was false prophets in Jesus' day. That's why he's speaking this word to those that were there. And he's speaking this word to us today. They prophesied, these false prophets in the Old Testament, oftentimes they would prophesy what the king wanted to hear. There would be kings that would go call for prophets. There was times they'd call for prophets and, and the, the, the man of God would come, give them the word of God and the word of the Lord, and it was a contrary message. So they'd say, I don't like that one, go get another one. Or they would punish a prophet, or they would chase him down and hunt him because they kept prophesying what the word of God was, and it didn't line up with what their agenda was. That's, that is um, happening today too. There's people that go to churches. They go, they go and listen or they watch certain prophets or they watch certain teachers or they watch and listen to certain pastors. Or I'm, we're, and I'm not picking on prophets. I hope you understand that. We're going to get into that, that, that we believe in the fivefold ministry and they're all vital. So when I'm saying that the prophets, I'm saying those who speak for the word, they speak the Lord, they, they, they teach, they, they preach, they're evangelists, all of them. That's, that's a type of a prophet. So when you're doing it, and you're doing it for, to, to get people's notoriety, or you're doing it so that it's a fair message, so that people will come and, and you know, be happy with what you're saying, and you won't preach the truth, and you won't bring a, a message that might rattle them, or it might get their attention to help them, that's a false prophet. A true prophet of God, a true person. Who's, because when you read through the Word, there's blessing. There's always an opportunity. If you will do this, I will bless you. And on the equal side, if you don't do what I've asked you, there's going to be a curse with that. So a true prophet or a true man of God is going to bring the truth. And we've kind of got into a place, too, that said, well, a New Testament prophet never, never prophesies anything negative. Well, that's not so. We say, oh, only, only New Testament prophets are encouraging. And yeah, the, the gifts are to build one another up. But guess what? We build one another up by telling them the truth. Amen. Those aren't my notes. Praise Jesus. This is. They prophesied what the king and people wanted to hear, claiming it was God's message. Ooh. Ouch. 
Jesus lets us know they were prevalent in his time as well. And he teaches us, we will know them by their fruit. Now, this is real important. We will know them by their fruit. I've heard this, this so misquoted throughout most of my life as a Christian that I remember when I discovered it like 10 or 12 years ago, I'd seen it like, wow, it doesn't say you will judge them by their fruit. I heard even pastors and people from the pulpit, see, the Bible says you can judge them by their fruit. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that you judge them by their fruit. It says that you will know them by their fruit. The judging them, and we're going to see as we go on, that's up to the Lord. That's up to God. We don't judge them. And I'm not judging pastors or prophets. I'm not judging. I'm just saying what the word says. The Bible teaches we'll know them by their fruit. Not by what they say, but by their fruit. So point one. There is four points, but they're not super long, so relax. Not saying you might not need a bathroom break. Just just saying. Point one. Beware of really vicious wolves. How is this not your first point, right? Beware of really vicious wolves. Um, This gets my attention, and we should recognize that when Jesus starts this section of Scripture off, recognize the seriousness. This is something he's not wanting us just to, like, pass over and be like, yeah, that's good. He's like, beware. Beware. There are really vicious wolves out there, and they want to devour you. Beware. Recognize this is serious. So with that... We need to examine prophets, preachers, teachers, evangelists that are proclaiming God's word. We need to examine that because his word says you, you can identify them by their fruit. So that's not saying that you get, uh, get, like, get your judgment out and get like, I'm going to nitpick every single thing in their life. And if they're human at all, they got to be a false prophet. No. What, so what do we examine? And we need to examine prophets, preachers, teachers. We need to examine the fruit. We need to examine their fruit. Well, what's their fruit? The fruit is not just, it's two things. I'm going I'm to narrow the fruit down to two things. The fruit of these people's lives and the fruit of my life. You need to examine my fruit. The fruit is this, their doctrine. What are they saying? What is their doctrine? What are they preaching? Examine it, look at it, inspect it. What's the fruit of their doctrine and the fruit of their lifestyle? The fruit of their actions. So not just the words, but the actions. So we need to examine both of those. Because one can be good and the other one can be bad, and it's false. The other one can be good and the other one's bad, and it's false. So we need to examine not just the doctrine, but their lifestyle. So what's that look like? How do they live? Like, I remember, um, well, my family, for one. You can look, examine my family. There's fruit of my life. If you can see the fruit of my family, if, and that's biblical, that Paul told Timothy and Titus to when you pick elders, which were pastors or, or elders, to look at their life. If, if they are not able to uh, manage their home or their, their lifestyle properly, they're not fit to lead in the church. So nothing new here, but we, we, we need to examine what is being said, what are they teaching, what do, and, and what is the foundation of that, and also their lifestyle. Are they living what they teach? Is there good fruit coming from their doctrine? And is there good fruit coming from their life? Amen? Next point. It's easy. This is something that we as the Christians, and especially in this day and age and time. Okay, let me, I'm going to, it's really not a sidetrack, but um, in this day and 
It is not healthy to believe everything you hear. If, if there's ever been an age and a time, and we know that in the last days, good will be, be spoken of as evil and evil will be spoken of as good. Now, I'm, I'm not throwing our newscasters in as prophets, but I would say they are false. <laughs> um, you can believe a very small percentage of what the news prints. So you have to use some wisdom. And I may be getting ahead of myself a bit, but we have to examine that. Like God has given us some tools to examine things. So let's look at the fruit. Now, if, if a source has been wrong, like 80% of the time, you shouldn't put that much trust in the source. We wouldn't do that with a prophet. If a prophet came in and you said, well, 80% of the prophecies that he prophesies never happen. It would be safe to say that's a false prophet. Now, I'm not saying there is people that would say anytime a prophet says something and it doesn't happen one time, if he misses God one time, he's a false prophet. That's not true. Every single person has a, hum, human, has a human nature. We can miss it. I wouldn't call someone a false prophet because they missed it one time. But if you're missing it, missing it, missing it, missing it, missing it, if you were playing baseball, I'd say, you are not a good batter. You probably shouldn't be playing baseball. I mean, if you, in baseball, you hit the ball three out of ten times, you make millions. Now, if you're a prophet of God, that's not the standard. It's the, that's not a good batting average, 333. You want to be in the high 90s. Now, there's a difference between saying, I sense the Lord, or I feel, and thus saith the Lord. When you say, thus saith the Lord, that is in the office of prophet, and you are speaking for God. I can speak the word very freely because it's his word. Now, when I give a word and I say, thus saith the Lord, and there's been a very few of those in my whole life. And when I received them and I spoke them, there was a heaviness to it. It was, I had to write it down because I was afraid not to misspeak even or pronounce even one of the words. There's a heaviness with that. You don't just, there's people, oh, thus saith the Lord this, thus saith the Lord that. Get away. You scare me. I don't want to be too close. You might get struck. Now, if you say this saith the Lord, this saith the Lord, this saith the Lord, and it's boom, 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 and it's accurate, thank the Lord. That is a beautiful gift. And we have those in our body, and they're so needed. But just because someone says something don't mean it's so. We can see that in our news. It's important to filter some of the stuff the days that we're in. Don't just buy into everything you hear. If you would examine a prophet and look at the fruit, we need to do the same thing in all areas of this deceptive world that we're in today. Amen? Amen. It's easy to get captivated. This is a reality with humans. It, it's easy to get captivated by someone's words and then think their fruit is good. How many's done that? I've heard people minister the word. I've seen um, there was times and in, 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 uh, people who were off, they, they, their fruit went south and no one called them on it. Their words were still good. Their ministries were still strong. People were still tuning in every single see, every day watching and their money and all the things were growing, growing, growing. But if someone examined their life, it was south. It was, it was foul. It was wrong. So we can get captivated. Uh, it is in our nature and ability to be captivated by someone's words and think because they speak good or their words are good that they are good. It's also easy to get captivated by someone's success. We see the fruit of their life, but we don't necessarily, they don't have that great doctrine, but, but we see the success of someone. We see their money. We see their following. And that's a big word today in, in the day and age. How many people are following? Well, there's 150,000 or 
shoot, there's 300,000 followers on YouTube. This guy's amazing. They have all these followers. But we don't realize the fruit of their doctrine is bad. Just because someone has a lot of success or because someone has a lot of money or they have a lot of followers doesn't mean that their doctrine is sound. Oftentimes, when your doctrine is not sound, you're going to have a lot of followers. Doesn't mean that just because you preach the truth that no one's going to like you or, you know, you have to, if, if you have success and you are a, an honest prophet, you prophesy God's word and there is success that, oh, well, because you've been successful, you're false. No, I'm not saying that. Just saying that you have to have both. You need to examine the doctrine and the lifestyle. Amen? Amen. Point two, we're going to carry on. They wear disguises. <laughs> the Lord tells us. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. They don't come as, I'm huffing and I'm puffing and I'm going to blow your house down. Right? I mean, if, you were, if, the, if the big bad wolf showed up at your door and he knocked on the door and you said, who is it? It's the big bad wolf. I'm here to destroy you. Come on in. That wouldn't happen. They come disguised as harmless sheep. No, that wasn't in my notes, but... Oh, it was kind of, kind of cute. <laughs> they come disguised as harmless sheep. They pretend. False prophets, people, that, they pretend. They put on an act. It's an act. I want to I talk about what Jesus is really specifically in this moment speaking to her, I believe, because he's been speaking to the Pharisees for quite some time and about the Pharisees through his day. And Pharisees, we're sneaky. And I'm going to make up a word. Phariseeism is sneaky. Another way to say that, legalism is sneaky. You're saying, well, pastor, what? It, that legalist of, legalistic stuff is very sneaky. It sounds good. It sounds good to our nature. It sounds good to our human nature that we need to be strict on ourselves, that we need to do such and such things and do all these things so that we can earn God's favor, so we can work towards him saying, well done, son. Now you can come close because you have taken the bath or you have put on the right clothes or you have danced the right dance or you didn't say this, this, and this, but you spoke this way or, or whatever it is that Pharisee, Phariseeism looks like or you didn't listen to this music, you only listened to this music. Or, or, it's, it's false. And Jesus was wrestling with that and dealing with that the whole time he was on, his, on the earth. It, 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 he jacked their system up. He didn't fast when they fasted. He didn't wash when they were saying you should wash. He would eat when you shouldn't eat. He, he messed it all up. Pharisees, Pharisees and legalistic and, and those, those things, they're sneaky. It makes sense to our flesh. Because we feel like we have to work or we need to do more. And that's natural for us. That's not spiritual. So we need to realize, well, even that, he is saying, be careful because it's beware. It's false and it's a vicious wolf. It will devour you. I can tell you from my own walk with the Lord that it has devoured many people trying to earn your, your salvation, trying to earn your favor, trying to work towards and be good enough. And it will devour you and it will cause you to go like, I don't really want to. I don't like this God. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never enough. And that is false. The, the truth is 
as we spoke of as Easter, Jesus already said you're good enough. Because of his death, because of his resurrection, you're good enough. You're never going to add to that. You're not ever going to do anything that's going to make you him love you more. It's what he's already done for us that makes us holy. Amen? Amen. So, next part. Talked about the legalism, the Phariseeism stuff. Now, this is, this is very, um, this might make a few people upset. Stop chasing prophetic words from self-appointed prophets. Let that sink in. If there's ever a time right now that there are so many prophets out prophesying this, that, and the other, and there's people, Christians, running from, what's my prophecy? What's this prophecy? What's this prophecy? What, they're going to 15, 20 different prophets, or people posting on Facebook, well, this prophet said this, this prophet said that. They're prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Pro-. And I'm not against prophecy, but hear my heart. Stop chasing prophetic words from self-appointed prophets. Amen, that's good. <laughs> Let me finish this statement. Especially, hope you hear my heart now, especially when you have no way to examine their fruit. Let that sink in. I'm not saying that it's not we can't get prophetic words. That Here's what you need to know. When you have no ability to know the person, know their lifestyle, know the fruit of their life, that's different than someone in your life and the church and why it's so important, which we're going to get to, that the church comes together because we need our prophets. But we have prophets in this house and in this family that are prophetic and we are able to see their fruit. We are able to see their lifestyle. So I can take credence and trust that word. And I would put that word way up higher than someone I don't know online, and it sounds good. I hope you hear me. Do not stop chasing prophetic words from self-appointed prophets. I've had people send me, what do you think about this, pastor? There's people from other countries, and I I can't even, it's hours of stuff. Like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't have time. You have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. You have the word. Ask him. But if you don't know the person, you don't have any idea what their life is like. You're just hearing the word, but have no way to examine the fruit to be able to taste it and go, that's sour. Don't put a lot of credence in it, especially as these days are wrapping up. And we are wrapping up. Things are coming to a close. There's going to be a lot more false prophets out there. So I know a really good way to not get deceived, and we are all able to be deceived because it's easy to get captivated. Trust the prophets that you know. Trust the prophecies of the people that you can see the fruit in their life. Just because someone has 10 million followings and $10 million doesn't mean they're a good prophet. We've seen in Jeremiah that that was actually part of the curse there. They, had, they were fat, sleek, and rich, and they were prophets, but they weren't prophesying what the Lord was saying. They were prophesying what people wanted to hear. And we know in the last days, people will be lovers of words that are itchy ears. They sound good. They t- they're not a, a, hey, get your house in order. There's not a shaking necessary to it. It's a, praise God, God wants to make you wealthy and rich and prosperous. Oh, I received that word. 
Be careful. Next very bold statement. Um, pretty simple truth, but false prophets, and I'm not, what, I, what, the, what the word would call a false prophet, false prophets are enemies of the flock and of the shepherd. False prophets are enemies of the flock and of the shepherd. Think about it. Disguised as harmless sheep, but truly ravenous woods. They're not your friend. Now, I would say if Jesus is making these declarations and there's no fruit on the tree yet to be able to tell, you're not quite sure. I'm not saying like don't have anything to do with them, but I would have enough sense. I would think if you're not sure, is this a wolf or a sheep? You're not just going to sleep next to them. Are you feeling me? You're not just going to trust everything they say because he is saying, who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. That doesn't mean you have to be freaked out. And, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know. Are you a wolf? Are you not a wolf? It's, Hold on. You'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit, by just by their, the words that they say and their life, the fruit of their lifestyle. Prophet, the false prophets are enemies of the flock and of the shepherd. Now, why are they enemies of the flock and the shepherd? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. They always want to lure you away from the protection of the flock and the shepherd. There's one thing I've learned and watched over my life, and I'm not that, well, I'm getting there. I can't shoot. I, what how many years I got left to say I'm not that old? I guess it would depend on who you ask. If I asked an 80-year-old, they'd say, you're not that old. If I asked a, my kids, they're like, dude, you're old as dirt. So, anyways... False prophets always want to lure you away. I've always seen this. I've seen this when it's like something's off with this person. They're always trying to drag someone from the flock away from the protection of the flock or the shepherd. Here, I have a word for you. Come out here. Come over here. Come outside. And all the rest of the church is inside. I dealt with this, and I am not afraid to deal with this. Some of you know that. A shepherd will protect his flock. I am, and just letting you know, church, I will come. I will. A shepherd has a rod and a staff. There's a reason. There's, there's wolves that want to come and devour you. And here's a good sign. When the church and the body and the flock is all in one spot, and another sheep is always trying to drag you away from the shepherd and the protection of the flock, ding, 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 ding. Hmm, Houston. I think we may have a problem. Not saying that, good Lord, if you go talk to someone and it's just because you want to talk and not let your business out, that people are looking at you like, oh, you're a false prophet, you better watch them. I'm saying over time, if every single time, and wolves like to devour the weak or those who may be vulnerable or those that they think they could, they could destroy, when those are keep getting drawn away and they're continually being brought out and then you tell them, you know, I would prefer that you keep them, let, let's, let's stay here and they, there's a problem with that, we are not friends. I am not okay with that. I will never be okay with that. No good shepherd will allow their flock to get devoured. Amen? So watch that. And don't be one of those. Praise the Lord. Left unchecked, they will have you under a spell. Here's the thing. I've seen this over and over. People get mesmerized. They get caught under the spell. What happens they get, they will, if, if you allow that to happen, these people will be under a spell. And then their whole purpose is that they, that, that you would become dependent on them and not dependent on God. This is what I see over and over. 
They become this person in your life that you have to go to and get your word from the Lord. You have to go to them so that you can rightly interpret the word for, for you. Not that you can yourself. They become this person in your life. And that is very, very dangerous. A true prophet is always going to point you, and a true pastor, a, pre, a true teacher, a true evangelist called by God is always going to point you to Christ. Always, always, always. Paul said it, you can follow me, but as I follow Christ. Like, at any point of the way, and you can follow me as your shepherd, as I follow Christ. But if I start detouring, going off the path of the word, you do not follow me or anyone else. Just because someone says, oh, well, come to me, I'll explain everything to you. I, I'm really the only one that, that they don't understand. Be real careful. God has given you a word and the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to teach you, to comfort you, to encourage you, to correct you. You don't even need me to do that. Now, I will, when, when they're a true prophet, the Holy Spirit inside of you and, and the teacher himself and Christ in you is going to say, yes and amen. That is a good word. That is beneficial. And, and, and all the different gifts that we're going to get into here shortly are in line with that. They're working together to build one another up in our most holy faith. And to edify, the ultimate is to be built up into the image of Christ. Not into the image of another human being. That's a false prophet. So we don't want to let that stuff go unchecked. Now, every single one of us, well, maybe not every single one of us, but many of us, have kind of come under that spell before. There's been people in my life that I was overwhelmed with. Oh my gosh, they're, so, they're, they're amazing. And then you start listening. Pretty soon you're kind of like, well, I don't know about this. And well, that's kind of weird, but, but this is good. And you just kind of keep, pretty soon you realize, thank God, most of us come to that point where we go, oh, whoa, this is weird. This is wrong. I'm, I'm getting off this train. I'm getting off this boat. I'm getting off. Uh-uh. This is going sideways. So it can happen. In the book of Galatians, Paul, who was pretty solid, right? Paul went and founded the Galatian church, and he writes a letter. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And he uses these words, and it's, it's pretty funny. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? See, Paul had established this church. He had put good soil and good seed and had poured his life into them and was bringing the truth. And then he left and then someone else came along. A false prophet comes along and starts saying, oh, well, you need to start. Um, it's not enough just to trust in the blood of Christ. You've got to go back and do all the, the religious Jewish ceremonies and you've got to do all these works. And, and it became legalistic. So, so Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Why I'm speaking on this is because it is possible. It is possible for anyone. It is possible, well, I don't know that it's possible if you're spending a lot of time in the Word and a lot of time in His presence and you've, you're feeding, but, but we do have a human nature still or an ability to get overwhelmed or, or um, the, the Galatians did. 
and Paul had to quickly bring correction, and he was very, um, I don't know how diplomatic, he calls him foolish, twice, and said that, who has cast an evil spell on you? That can happen. That's why I used that term earlier. They lure you away, and they kind of cast you under their spell. It can happen. I've seen it happen. We don't want that to happen. How does it not happen? We look at the fruit, examine the word and the lifestyle. Point three, good news. You can identify them. You can identify them. Don't be freaked out and scared in this last days. And, oh, my gosh, we're gonna, I might be getting deceived. I know people have done that. They'd be like, oh, my God. It says even if those could be deceived, like, I might get deceived. Am I deceived? It's okay. We can identify them. Know the fruit, right? Lip service is not enough. Just listening to what they're saying is not enough. Fruit. And what is fruit? Fruit is words, deeds, actions, and lifestyle. It's kind of funny. We, we talk about, come, come on, people, use your senses. Use some common sense. And I'd like to say there's nothing common about sense anymore. There's really not nothing common about it. But thank God, God gave us senses. He gave us five senses. I'm going to talk about use your senses, your sight. If it looks like a wolf, it's probably a wolf. He's given us some senses. He's got some eyes. We have, we have ears. If it sounds off, it's probably off. If it doesn't sound right, we have senses. Let's use them. Some just, you ever go to get something, you're like, well, that sure looks good. It passes the eye test. It looks like milk. Ooh. This looks good, but then you put your other sense to it. You smell it. Nah, that ain't no good. Or maybe you poke it, you touch it. Is that good? Oh, I don't know. You hold it, you look at it, you examine it. You use your senses. It, it looks good, it smells good, it feels right. Now, do you just shove the whole thing in your mouth and just swallow it? Or do you take a little piece and you go, let me taste it? See, in Psalm 34, 8, it says, taste and see, using two senses, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Use your senses, church. If there's a day and time that we need to use our senses, it is today. Use your senses. Just because something looks good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. Just because it smells good doesn't mean it is good. Examine that fruit. Look at it. Does, is, is it an apple? I planted an apple tree. Is the fruit on that an apple? Because it would be very strange if you planted an apple tree and it produced pomegranates. Like, that's weird. You look at it, right? That doesn't look like an apple. The tree looks like an apple tree, but that doesn't look like an apple. And then you open it up. Nope, it still doesn't look like an apple. Nope, it doesn't smell like an apple. Doesn't feel like an apple. Are you following me? You smell what I'm stepping in. All right, good. That's another one. If it looks like it, you step in it and it smells like it, it probably is. There you go. Have your laugh. Just saying, we have some senses. We should use them. Now, thank God. God has given us natural senses. He's also given us senses to the church. We have senses. And they are... The fivefold ministry. 
There's a spiritual senses. The church has senses. Apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Hey, something kind of cool. If, if they do the, the hand thing, how many have done that? Your apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. You know what the pastors are? I'm going to brag on pastors just a bit. The ring finger. Oh, come on. I'm not saying that everyone else is less because they're not. There's no, there's no hierarchy. I'm just saying that is the ring finger. Just saying. All right, that's kind of cool. But apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, these are the gifts from Christ to the body. These are our senses. This is one of the things that really bothers me about not being together as a body. Because So let me clear this up too. I know all these people are saying, the church isn't the building. The church isn't the building. I agree with you. It doesn't matter what building we meet in. It doesn't matter if we don't have a building to meet in. We can meet outside. The church is the coming together. And we're not having church until we come together. Now, this is a form of together, but it is not together because I do not have my prophets. I do not have my teachers. I don't have my evangelists. I don't have my apostles. I don't have my other pastors. So this is not God's design. It's not the building, but coming together is his plan. He has put a body together, jointly fit, knit together to function as one together. So quit telling me the building isn't the church. Obviously, the building isn't the church, but the coming together of the body is the church. Now, I can be the church, and I represent the church myself, but I can tell you what, we're going to be in trouble if it's just me running around never having my other body parts functioning because I'm not going to have my senses. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to have all my senses. Tell me how valuable your senses are. Let's just take one of them away. Which one would you pick? Let's take all four of them away. Four more, and you're just left with one. No, I don't like that. Thank you very much. We need our senses. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is where we see this. If I turn there, it would probably help. Third time's a charm. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. That's awesome. He gives us gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Do you hear that? The church is what? The body of Christ, not a body part. This, whoop, my bad. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, there's controversy, and there's controversy even in, which is weird, but even in Pentecostal doctrines and beliefs in different families that they say, well, the fivefold ministry is no more. That is a lie from the pit. And I can show you in Scripture. He names them. Here, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Are you the church? Are we the church? Yes. So who are they for? They're for us. As long as the church is here, these gifts are still here. Now let's look. And it says in verse 13, this will continue until, here's a clue, we all come into such unity in our faith. Is the church in unity in faith? Is there not 50,000 different types of churches and branches and smells and types of churches? Yes, there is. 
So they're not in unity yet, so these gifts are still for today. Here's another one. So that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Has the church or you or me measured up yet to the full standard of Christ? No. So these gifts are still for today. Now, what some will say is a real apostle is only one that was alive during Jesus's ministry, that he watched him, and that's really only a true apostle. In that sect, yes, that's true. But Paul was an apostle, and he did not live with Jesus like the other, the other 12. But Jesus appeared to him. Now, I'm not saying and getting all weird that, oh, everyone that says, I saw Jesus, I had a vision, and he spoke to me. Now you're a self-proclaimed apostle. I'm not saying that. But apostles, in a typical form, are the visionary. Well, let's get into that. Now, I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord, so don't write your district superintendent and tell him that I'm a false prophet. <laughs> this is my idea, okay? Let me, this is my idea. This isn't scripture. And if you don't like it, you can chew it up and spit it out and say, that, that's not for me. Or if you don't like the arrangement, you can arrange them however you like. This is just how I see it. I believe the Lord put the five senses and the five senses or the five parts of the body, and we can see some connection. I see apostles as the eyes of the body. They are the visionaries. They are the ones who see what's coming. They see a need to go out and send more people to this. They see the other gifts in the body, and they call those things out, and they build those up like a Paul did with Timothy. And you see that, that fan into flame, Timothy, those gifts that are within you, and they're an encouragement, and there's vision, and they're, spread, they're moving and taking, planting churches, and doing, that's an, apo, an apostolic um, anointing, which I would say is the eyes, not limited to just being eyes, many times, which I'll get into. Some of you have heard me say in my gifts, I feel like I'm a hot mess. I am a mix of every single one. I did, I did a test just to check this morning. I'm not saying the test is accurate, but I've always felt that. Um, I am 23%, my, which is kind of interesting because I love the word. I think they put me on 23% teacher. I'm 23% teacher, 20% pastor. Sorry, church. <laughs> Only 20% pastor. 20% evangelist. 19% prophet. 19% apostle. And I have had all my life people try to try to confine me to one. My whole life. And I'd be, oh, you're a prophet. Okay. You're an evangelist. Why? Because I do evangelism. And there's times that God uses me in the prophetic. There's times God uses, he has used me pretty equally in every single one. And it is always messes with man. Man always wants to give you this box and say, here's your box. And I've had people say, you're a pastor. Ever before I was a pastor. Okay. But I've always known and felt. But I'm not stuck on that. And I find many of us that have um, a, a gift also have others. It doesn't mean you're limited. But usually, it is pretty normal that you're, you're pretty strong in one or two. And there's usually a, a lack in some of the others. Not that that's a negative. It's not. It's, it's, it's really because you're super strong in that. I'm a hot mess. I'm the, I, it's, it's not easy being me. I'll just say. It's like, oh, I feel pulled and drawn all the time. And like, I, I want to care for you, but I need to give a prophetic word too, or I need to give a credit. You're going to see. So the apostle, the eyes, the eyes. Now, if you don't like the eyes, it's okay. I hope you hear me. I'm not. The next one, the prophet. I would say the prophet is one who is the nose. 
He can come in, a prophet, him or her. This isn't, it's just biblically or script, not biblically. That's bad, my bad. Scripture, we use the, the male term a lot, him or his. Prophets, prophetesses, it's all, we're good. Pastors, male, female, I'm okay. In that role, a prophet or prophetess, I believe, has the sense of smell. They can come into a room. They can come into a service. They can come into a church, and it might look good. It might sound good. It might taste good. But they oftentimes can go, something's off. Something's off. Something just ain't quite right. Everyone else doesn't see it. Everyone else doesn't get it. Or they're able at times to go, boy, there is something sweet here. There is something so special going on, and the rest of the body's not necessarily getting it or seeing it because or smelling it. So I hope you follow me. That, that doesn't mean that a prophet, I'm saying he's just a nose because I think sometimes a prophet can be taste also. Next one, evangelist. Evangelists. I see evangelist as a touch. An evangelist has to go. They go and they have to touch people. They have to, they have to touch and take the gospel to other nations, to other people groups. Or evangelists see people, and maybe like when I was doing jail ministry, you would go to where they are so that you could touch them. Bring the, not necessarily have to be a physical, but so that you can touch them, have an impact. Not saying that's that their only part. I also think that pastors have a touch. I don't think a pastor that doesn't have a desire to touch people is probably a very good pastor. But I think evangelist, on that sense, if, I hope you hear me. I'm not saying this is, thus saith the Lord. This is thus saith Steve, all right? I would say the pastor is the ears. A pastor usually has a different set of ears. He hears things a little differently than others. He'll hear that voice of that sheep that's crying out and go and be kind of an evangelist at times. But he'll hear. He hears the cries of the flock. He hears the complaints of the flock. He hears the flock. <laughs> now, there's a slash, and it's, there's a connection of pastors, teachers. They very, they very well go hand in hand a lot of times. Um, but the pastor, I would say, is the ear. The teacher, I believe, would be the taste sense. A teacher is going to take the word or take other messages and, and chew on it and, and, what, and really get to the down. Um, you'll see like Sylvie and Denise and Pastor Jay was a, was a super strong teacher. And, and I have, um, I have a, a strong desire for the word and I, and I like people to understand it. I want people to understand the word. That's a teacher. Oftentimes pastors and teachers are, are going to roll together. Um, sometimes you have a stronger. There's going to be some pastors that are way more ear and it's really spending a lot of time where they're hearing things and not as much time in an evangelist, evangelistic touch or in the visionary side of an apostle or the prophetic. And that doesn't mean they're not a good pastor. It means they have a gift and we need to develop that gift and know your gift and then know other people in the body because you're not supposed to be all of it. And then you use those gifts because pastors need prophets. Prophets need pastors. If you just have like a 90% prophet pastoring, that is not good. That's not going to be good. You're not going to have a good fit. It's not going to be good if you just have an evangelist as the pastor. Because all he's going to be concerned about, which is his God-given role, is to go outside the walls of the church and reach everybody for the gospel and forget everyone in the body. <laughs> 
That's why you'll see evangelists are awesome. They come in, you have like a revival of evangelists. They come in, they blow it up, and they're out. And then, then the pastors and all the other are, are like taking care or, or mending those who got offended or, you know, helping, helping the teachers, helping them like deliver the word that the evangelist said so that they can apply it. And I mean, there's just all of that. And, and I'm not slamming evangelists because I have an evangelistic side myself and, and they're needed. But we need each other. We need all of our senses. And we need to be together for them to operate. Amen? Is that clear as mud? <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Not in the false prophet, not in the pers person leading you away. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And oh, the joys, right? Oh, the joys of us who have taken refuge in him. Continuing on, we're going to get to point four. Main mark of a false prophet. Here, this, this, this is my... Once again, this is thus saith Steve, not thus saith the Lord. My idea, my main mark that I would say false prophet, preachers, teachers, is self-interest. In any of these gifts, if it's self-interest, and what do I mean by that? Me, 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 me. If any of these roles are all about me, 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 red flag. Remember Pastor Marlo? I had a pastor, he was from Arkansas, he would say, duh, instead of duh, he'd say, he had an act, duh, red flag. He'd say it all the time, duh, red flag. So this was one of those Pastor Marlow, duh, red flag moments. <laughs> any preacher, any pastor, any teacher that is all me, 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 they function in order to gain prestige. False prophets function in order to get self-recognized and prestige. They function to influence. They gain prestige or their function in order to gain prestige gain influence, gain money, so they can pass their own ideas. It's me, 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 me. That is antichrist. Any, any good pastor, prophet, preacher, teacher, evangelist is always pointing and edifying to Christ as Christ is the one who has the answers. Christ is the one who is the all-knowing. Christ is wisdom. Christ is love. Christ is hope. Christ is joy. In Christ there is peace. In him there is refuge and strength. In me, it is not. In me, you will find what you have. I'm human. I'm not divine. But Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. And Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. So we don't need some like super evangelist or super prophet or super pastor. We need each other. And we need each other, and we need to know each other, know our fruit, and be able to check each other. And when, when a good tree starts producing bad fruit, we can say, what's up with that? You're an orange tree. Why is there an apple on you? That ain't normal. It's not normal to take an orange and squeeze it, and then take the juice and take, drink it, and it's apple. That's weird. Now, I do see, and I saw this vision with, with our pastors at a... At a uh, at Lake Comanche, we saw a tree, and I believe this is the model of the senses. We saw one tree, and we saw new life as that tree. And on that tree, which is so cool, was every single fruit possible. One tree with all the different fruits on it. That's God's design and plan. And I guarantee you, I'm going on record, in heaven, there's going to be trees like that. 
We saw a picture. I believe when God shows us something, it's always something that he's already done or knows about. It is, it is going to, I believe we're going to see it. And it was a call and encouragement to us to be that. Not to be one kind of fruit tree, to be a fruit tree, a Christ tree that has all the fruit. And I think there was a, a, prof, a prophetic to that and a, you are that. You're to be that. And I want to continue to be that. But we are not going to be that separated. So pray with me. Let these restrictions be broke in this county. There's not many people sick. Let, this, let there be wisdom come in so that we can fellowship, especially in this day. Paul told us to not forsake the assembling of the brother, especially in this day. As the end comes to close, as the things are wrapping up, do not forsake the assembling. What is that word? The coming together. And I know you're, if you could be here, you would be here. And believe me, I would have you. This is just an opportunity for us to sharpen ourselves and get on track and actually get excited about coming together, I believe. You will know them by their fruit. Last point. You'll know them by their fruit. This is where I have to, we have to get a, a reality to this. And I would normally close right now, but if I don't do this point, I think we can get ourselves in trouble. This is for us. I just taught a message. We're preaching a message on false prophets. And if I don't go here, we're going to be running around looking at every single person, every single thing everyone does as like, oh, you're a false prophet. You're a false prophet. You could get... I hope you hear me. Point four is this. You will know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. Not you'll judge them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. So be careful. This is for all of us. Be careful not to let our carnal, and I said this specifically, not to let our carnal suspicion take the place of spiritual discernment. Hear me, church. Be careful not to let carnal suspicion. Carnal, what's carnal suspicion? Well, I don't necessarily like how he said that. Well, I don't, did you see how they're dressed? Well, do you know, blah, 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 blah. Carnal suspicion. It is possible even in the church. You cannot like someone. You don't even know why. Okay, I can. Maybe you guys never have that. There has been times in my life. And I think I'm probably that type of person. People I've found in my life, they either really like me or they really don't. There's not a lot of people on the fence. Um, and that's just how God made me. So, so I think there's, there's been some folks... I don't even know why. And sometimes you find out, you're like, wow, I was off. They're super awesome. I don't know why I didn't like them, right? How, is there normal human beings like me out there that you're honest? Okay, praise God. Sometimes our carnal suspicion takes the place of discernment. A judgmental attitude isn't a fruit of the Spirit. Critical spirit is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's called discernment. So with every true fruit, there's always a false one. That was a lot better than the three or four people in here responded. <laughs> Next point. Fruit and fruit alone is the test. Fruit and fruit alone is the test. If you read this passage, there's one thing. It says fruit. You know a tree by its fruit. Not personality. Hear me, church. Personality is not the test. The fruit of doctrine and the fruit and the action of their life is the test. Not personality or popularity. Personality and popularity is not the test. That's not the fruit. 
Fruit alone. Fruit may take some time to reveal itself, depending on the season you're in. If you're in late spring, it's not going to take a whole lot of time. But if you're in a winter season, it's really hard to tell. If you're really good, you may be able to say, I think that's a nut tree. But you don't know for sure if it's an almond or a walnut until what? Its leaves come on and it starts producing. Same thing with the fruit. There's certain seasons you're not quite sure. So we, we don't judge that tree or know that tree or say this is that kind of tree until we observe the fruit. And it may not just look like it. You smell it. You squeeze it. You observe it. Is it right? You taste it. Yep, it is. It's easy to get alarmed and persuade others that our particular convictions are the standard of Christ and condemn everyone who doesn't agree with us. I know this would never happen in this church, and I've never done this. Yeah, right. It is so easy for every single one of us to get alarmed. <laughs> Don't we do that? Someone thinks differently than us, and I'm, I'm alarmed. And we start persuading others. Doesn't that happen? We naturally do that. We, we see something, someone's not, oh, now I got to persuade everyone else that I'm right. You got you to listen to me. It's hard doing this stuff. I'll tell you what, when you got to preach something, you're like, I'm guilty. You got to examine yourself. If you, feel, if you feel convicted at all, don't worry. I've been chewed up all week long. You're just getting it for the first time. It's easy to get alarmed and persuade others that our particular convictions are the standard of Christ and then condemn everyone who doesn't agree with us. Here's why I think we do it. We do it because our convictions have taken the place of Christ in us. Ooh. I know of myself, there was convictions I was brought up and raised with and I would go to fight to the death that I was right but that's what they were. They were convictions. And sometimes they were other people's convictions. And there is times that God will convict us about something for a season and we grow in maturity and then he lifts that conviction. That can happen. That's not a whole, like normal. Usually when God convicts you about something, most of the things I've been convicted of early in my life, if they were God-given conviction, they stay. They're in place. But there's been lots of convictions that were not necessarily God-given convictions. And those convictions begin to take place, take the place of Christ in us. And that is dangerous. That's wrong. And I've done it. And how does that change? Usually by being humble enough to get in the word and, and tell the Lord, God, I don't want anything in me that's not you. Lord, reveal. If this, and sometimes it is true for you. That is your conviction. That doesn't mean it's everyone else's conviction. And some people get weird by that. Well, if it's, it's black or white. No, it's not. The Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, you won't be able to say, well, I can sleep around and I can have sex with someone else's wife because God hasn't given me that conviction. Um, no, stupid. You have the word for that. <laughs> yep, I said it. I'm sorry. You foolish Galatians. 
Conviction, he's never going to speak contrary to his word. But there are things that aren't in the word. So then he convicts us and the Holy Spirit lives in us and he teaches us and he builds us up. But he's never going to go against the word. Is everyone out there laughing still? (laughs) Hey, I call myself that sometimes. I've been that. We never want our convictions to take the place of Christ in us. I'm closing right here. The word never tells us to walk in the light of convictions. Bear with me. The word doesn't say walk in the light of convictions. It does say to walk in the light of the Lord. Your your convictions aren't always Christ. Your convictions can come from other people, from other times, from other seasons, from all kinds of stuff. There's, There's things that happened 150, 200 years ago that were wrong, and there was reasons why that is, and that's why we know culture. We're to read the Word of God through the content, context, and culture. Culture plays a big part. What does that mean? There was a time period and a place that that was spoken to for a specific reason. That may change because we're in a different culture today. That doesn't mean that the content and the context changes. You hear me? The word never tells us to walk in the light of convictions, but it does tell us to walk in the light of the Lord. What, what am I saying? Every single thing, even your convictions, the things that you think need to be in the light of him and say, Lord, what do you think? Not what does someone else think? Not, not what does that evangelist think? And not saying that we hope you hear me. We need one another. We need the, the whole counsel of the five senses. But ultimately, those things that we can that we're to judge and look at are are him and him in me. What, are, what is he speaking to me in? He's never going to speak contrary to this word, but he may speak contrary to you. Amen? Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep that are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? That would be weird. Or figs from thistles. A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Whew. Yes, just as, thank the Lord for this, big, bold, you can identify a tree by its fruit. So you can identify people by their actions. That's the fruit, the actions. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are very aware of the days and the times that we're in. Lord, um, I'm so encouraged. I I know, like everyone else, at certain times I've been nervous, or you see things, and, and uh, we hear reports, and there's all these conspiracies and all this stuff, and it's so challenging to try to weigh up what's true and what's not. And Lord, I'm so excited that here's what I know is true. Your word said in these last days, all of this stuff would be happening. 
You said it. You said that there would be rumors of war, there would be earthquakes, there would be pestilence, there would be famines, there would be all these things, and they've been happening. And it would be like birth pains. They would get closer and closer together. And we're seeing that happen. And there's a foreshadowing of, of the end days that's happening now. And Lord, that's exciting. It, it should not make the church fearful or scared. It's exciting because it, it is true. We can see that your word is 100% true. We're seeing it happen. So therefore, Lord, I pray that this church and everyone under the sound of my voice would realize that it's all true, that you're good, and that's true, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will go with us everywhere we go, that we can take our refuge and our hope and our strength in you during these times, that every single thing you said was true, that you said um, to not be afraid. He said that to trust in you, to trust also in the Father, that you would go and prepare a place for us to take hope in that, and we do. That's a reality just as much as everything else going on right now, and we thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage your body, and, and even not just with the, um, the people that are given prophecies or pastors or teachers, but all the things that are going on, all these people who are self-proclaimed saying that they're speaking truth. Lord, let us examine the fruit. Let us use our senses to determine what is true and what is not. And there's one source and one that I know is 100% true, and that's you, Jesus. You are truth. And this word is 100% truth. So, Lord, I pray that all of us, God, would spend more time in your presence hearing truth from you and the word which is true. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, church, um, if, if you don't know the Lord... If there's people out that are listening and watching this message and you're like, I don't know who truth is. I don't know the word. I don't know who Jesus is. Know this. Anyone who calls on him will be saved. If you don't know him or you're lost, call out to him and say, Lord, I need you. If you are dealing with fear, let me pray over just a fear prayer real quick. Fear in the mighty name of Jesus be broken. Peace come in the name of Jesus. Fear, we disarm all power and authority that you have. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us, the, you have not given us the spirit of fear. You have given us power, love, and a sound mind. And I declare the mind of Christ over everyone here in this message. In the name of Jesus, amen. We pray for peace for you. Know that you can find peace in him and in the word. If you don't have a Bible, or if you do have a Bible, get in it. Begin to, begin to read. read. Start reading in the book of John. Read through Acts and keep going. Don't stop. If you want to know what truth is, it's right here. If you want to know this person, Jesus, intimately, ask him. Say, God, I need to know you. And ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to, to come into your life. Which means you let go of all the other things, all your hopes, dreams, plans, purposes, those things. And you put your faith and your trust in him going forward. You don't trust your money. You don't trust your education. You don't trust all. You trust him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is hope. And your hope is in him. Amen? Amen. Be blessed. New Life family, I look forward to seeing you soon. I hope uh, we can meet <laughs> Oh, very soon, believe me. Amen. If you have any uh, questions or you want to call and contact us, you, we're going to be at the church this week, so please do that. All right, miss you guys.